This morning's reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brenda, very much. Let's just pray. Father, as we come to your word now, we ask that you would open our eyes to see, our hearts to feel, and our minds to respond to the call that you have placed on our lives. In your name. Amen. Well, this morning we are looking at a very well-known passage. You will have come across this, I'm sure, uh, many times in the past. The salt and the light. It is one of those passages which is just perfect for the motivational speaker. You can hear it now, can't you? Uh, All I want you to do is be yourself. Be yourself. Take the high ground. Be aspirational. Position yourself during that negotiation because you know your strengths. You've heard all the trite phrases endless times before. But this is a motivational speech with a distinct difference because we are not told to be yourself. Well, we are, but we're not at the same time. Because this passage, the salt and light, comes immediately after the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're really being asked to do is be yourself in the context of being people of the Mount. We are on the Mount, we are changed by the words of the Sermon on the Mount. And we are being that person. And that person is the people of God. It means far from being ourself, yourself. It's being the person and the presence of Christ wherever you are. Now, uh, I think three times a year, all the partners in in my firm get together. Uh, So that's 60 of us. And uh, one of those occasions was this week. And we have two days together at a conference which is, which is quite fun because it's, it's away from the office and, and it's only 60 of us and in the first morning we split between residential and commercial, not that you need to know any of this whatsoever <laughs> and we have a board meeting and it happened to be the day of the one minute silence at 11 o'clock so that's at 11 o'clock and the board meeting starts at 9 At five to nine, the chairman came over to me and said, David, we're going to honour the one-minute silence. And I said, oh, that's good, because I was going to ask you, because I think that's appropriate. And he said, yes, and and then I thought you'd like to say something afterwards. 
Oh, good. So what to say? What to say? What is it to be salt or light in a moment like that? It's a secular company. We live in a secular society. I didn't want to sort of pour salt on an open wound, but I didn't want to pour water on it either because water doesn't have any flavour. If I claim to be a Christian, I claim to be a flavour in the world. But what flavour was that going to be? And my first thought was actually of David Bracewell, and I rude the day I ever heard this, but David Bracewell, who was the vicar at St. Saviour's, used to say, there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. If you're a Christian and you're a disciple, you are always a Christian and always a disciple. At any point, at any time, you may be asked to give a reason for your faith. And in the most unlikely of circumstances, I felt that that was being asked of me. And the flavour we give, of course, has to be enduring. Ask uh, the beloved Mary Berry uh, on the the Great British Bake Off, or, or whatever it's now going to be called, It's no good if she came to that cake and tasted it. And the first mouthful was sublime. And the second mouthful is okay. And the third mouthful is completely flavourless. That's not the point. The point is the whole cake has to be full of flavour. Our whole lives have to be full of flavour. We need something distinctive. What are we going to impart to those people around us. And we'll only be able to do that if we have that same flavour day after day. And I don't know whether this illustration was another one of David Bracewell's, but he he used to hold a glass of water which was full to the brim. And if you knocked into him, of course, some of it would spill out. I I noticed someone with a cup of tea earlier uh, failing to traverse the lobby without pouring some of it on the floor. And I would have been able to tell what was on the floor because I could have tasted it. It was tea. It was tea, wasn't it? I think it was tea. But do you, you get the point. Something will fall out and we are known by what falls out when we're knocked. Now, this is the really crucial bit of the story today. Who watches Grantchester? Grantchester is, is a, a murder mystery with a slight difference because the, one of the principal characters, apart from the policeman, you always have a policeman, is a clergyman. It's a vicar of the local church. And during this series, the murder mystery has almost been a secondary issue. And the primary issue has been his relationship with a woman and the fact that he couldn't marry her because of his position in the church. She was getting divorced, you see. Uh, And this is set in the 1950s. And there's this juxtaposition of this this man, James Norton, if if you know the actor, who plays it brilliantly. And he struggles and struggles and struggles with his love for this human being and his love for God. And right at the end, he's, he's gone wrong and he's said to his archdeacon, I've had enough. I'm going to leave. This woman is too important to me. And he said, well, when I receive your letter, then I'll believe you. 
But he never sends the letter. And he stands in front of this woman and she's found the letter and she said, I knew you'd never send this. And he said, I'm so sorry. But this is what I want to do. And she said, the church is who you are. God is who you are. And through the the programme, you come to the realisation that he is of fundamental importance to this small village of Grantchester. Not because he is the church, but because he is the presence of God in the community. And every time they have a struggle, they go to him. And that to him was more important than this struggle with this woman. And it's a, it's a fascinating programme. Uh, and I wish I could actually have, have shown something to you. But he says, I am who I am because of my faith. And when we look at ourselves as well, we, like Sydney, have got to put our uh, lamp on a stand. We are who we are because of Christ. And if we want to see what's right in the world, we should be looking at each other. We should tell them how to live because of what we are and who we are. We shouldn't be hiding our faith, but revealing our faith. We're shining a light because the light of Christ is within. And that's why it's so important that we spend time here on a Sunday morning. That's why every morning or at some point during the day, we should spend time with God, reading, praying, forming and building that relationship Because, like any relationship, it grows with time. And when we're knocked, when we're pressed, what comes out is a reflection of what is inside. And we are moulded by those events around us. Or we can mould those events. Actually, think about it, we were in Devon last week and, uh, and we'd taken our sailing boat, which was exciting, except there was not a breath of wind all week, which was slightly disappointing. Um, So it stayed wrapped up most of the week. But when you look at the trees on the Devon coast, it's as though God has taken a comb to them because of the wind shooting up the cliff has moulded those trees. What are we moulded by? What makes us the people that we are? What influences us so that when we're knocked, when we're asked a question, what comes out? And because I know that you actually really want to know the answer to my first question, I will tell you. Within those two hours between 9 and 11, I was actually making several presentations during that period, but when I wasn't, I was sitting down scribbling a few thoughts. But at about 1 minute to 11, when I nodded at the chairman and said, it's 1 minute to 11 it suddenly occurred to me that this was a moment that because actually what I didn't tell you is beforehand when I said what sort of thing do you want me to say he said we are blessed in this partnership that we have someone like you in it so why would I not ask you to say something at a point of time like this wow okay that didn't ease my nervous nature but at 1 minute to 11, it suddenly occurred to me, this, he's actually asking me to say something, and say something important. 
So what I did was, was stand uh, at the end of the minute silence and say it, it, something like this anyway. I'm not sure what more could be said that hasn't already been said, but perhaps it's the way that we say it which is more important. Because there are people here, and there may be people even in this church this morning, who have a real faith. But there are others in this room that probably have no faith. In fact, I know there are some people here that have no faith whatsoever. So I'm not going to pray. I have been praying personally because my faith needs me to pray for the individuals who are affected by this, those leaders and people making decisions. But I wonder what your first impression was. Was it disbelief? Was it confusion? Was it anger? And possibly an element of fear. So what I would say to those uh, without a faith is try to understand and try to have compassion for your fellow man. And to those with faith, I would say two things. Firstly, we need to be very honest and very frank with ourselves. How is it possible for people to be radicalised in our faith communities? And we need to ask ourselves that question. But secondly, from my personal faith, I do not believe that you take power in order to express your opinion. My personal faith is that I am here to serve other people in order to show them hope and love. And with that I sat down. Now, I do not doubt that I could have been more overt. I could have been more demanding of them. But what I wanted them to know is that I pray, I serve, and I love. Very simply that. And because I had been asked to say something, apparently because I was a person of integrity, I wanted them to know that I was not going to shirk my responsibility as a person of integrity. Because my integrity comes from Christ. Now, I don't know what you think about that whatsoever. Um, But it was an opportunity that I felt I could not miss our faith has shaped us how has your faith shaped you where are we going to be salt and light in our communities this week in our friendship groups in our relationships I'll let you think about that for a moment let us pray Father, you call us to be different. You call us to be people of the cross, understanding your love, appreciating your grace and mercy, and revealing your salvation to the world. So, Father, as you call us, please send us to be people of integrity, people of faith in this, your world, a world that you love, but a world that you look on sometimes and surely weep. Help us to weep with you. 
to call you to be by our side that you may weep with us. And Father, send us out as we often pray in the power of your Spirit to live and to work to your praise and your glory now and forever. Amen.